as a dad, you know, you're always privileged uh, to have your kids grow up in the Word, have them grow up and to say that they go to Bible college. And both of my boys are in Bible college. Not, you know, we're not sure where Chandler's going yet as far as what he wants to do. I know Taylor, before he got to this point, had changed his major three times, you know. So on his third change is when he decided that was pastoral studies and he wanted to study to be a pastor. You know, and um, this last year he brought his sermons home for me. And this weekend I got to listen to the three of uh, the sermons that he preached about, uh, for school. Did a tremendous job. I was like, man, where did he get that from? Because <laughs> you know, he didn't get it from me, you know. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he did. But uh, this morning I've asked my son Taylor to come and to bring forth the message. And I thought, there's nothing greater than that for me that I can think of having your son preach for you. And to me, like Father's Day, you know, another great day, you know. Now, the key to that whole thing is if he starts to bag on his father, you know, everybody got their rocks, right? I mean, I did, we gave everybody rocks as they walked in so that in case he gets out of hand, we're going to stone him, okay? Um, but, uh, no, we just want to just, I'm so proud to have both of my boys doing things in the ministry and Chandler doing what he's doing with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and then Taylor um, stepping out and getting ready to graduate. He'll graduate in December, and then he'll start pursuing ministry at that point and what God's going to do and where he's going to take him. So if you would give Taylor a warm welcome as he speaks on Who's Your Daddy? Good morning, church. It's good to be in church today. I know that... Um, the dads could be at home, you know, relaxing, or you could be at the lake, or you could be really anywhere but here, uh, but you're here, and I, and I thank you for that. Um, when I was thinking about Father's Day, I was thinking, why is it in the middle of June? Because it's like, there's nothing going on. And then I realized, that's why Father's Day is in the middle of June. If it was in August, September, any time in the fall, in the winter, early spring, there would be Sports Central going on. I don't know if you would see me going to church on Father's Day if my favorite NFL team is playing Sunday morning. Because it's my day. I'm the father. You know, I'm supposed to do what I want to do. Luckily, my dad's the pastor, so he has to be at church on Father's Day. But So thank you, dads, for coming. Thank you, families, for bringing your dads. Thank you, moms for creating the dads. Because we know that without the mom, there is no dad. So really, this day is about the moms. So I'd like to thank the worship team. You know, Chuck, you got a great mustache. You know, I'm trying to grow out mine. Mine's really not there yet, but um, I'm going to keep on going. I just want you guys to know that you got a great pastor. Um, he loves you. He cares about you. He really loves this church, and he, and he loves each and every one of you guys, and, um, and I just want you to know how, how, how lucky and how grateful you guys are to have a pastor like that. <laughs> but since it is Father's Day, I guess I can talk to him about how he is my father and not just a pastor. So, Dad, thank you for making me the man I am today. Um, thank you for setting a strong foundation for making me realize that this relationship is my own and not something that I could have through you. 
It took me some years to realize that, especially going to college, I realized, hey, I don't have to go to church anymore. My dad's not my pastor. And uh, for about six months, um, I was sleeping in on Sunday mornings. And trust me, it was nice, but um, it wasn't that nice. So I was going to the bedside Bible meeting with Pastor Sheets. But uh, <laughs> now I'm back in, back in church, and I'm, and I'm pursuing ministry. And I just want to thank my dad so much. Um, if you're worried about the sports, I got the PGA open you know, on, on my phone. Phil Mickelson starts at 1220. He's the leader. He's under one. Don't worry. I'll get you guys out by then. But um, I want to read a parable to you guys. Most people know this as uh, the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. But I like to call it the parable of the loving father. If you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 11. Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, but is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. So they began to celebrate. If you can turn to your neighbor, I just want you guys to ask a simple question. Who's your daddy? Now the next neighbor, ask them, who's their daddy? All right. It was just a simple question. You know, we don't need to start a conversation or anything like that. But I like to just continue in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the fathers. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the great meal I'm about to have after this sermon. In your holy precious name, amen. So we go back to that question, who's your daddy? How did the person who is your father become your father? Did you get to choose your father? Or did your father choose you? Did you have anything to do in the decision of being born? Did you build a time machine, go into the future and tell your parents to make you? 
And if you did for some reason do that, how did you get made in the first place to go tell your parents to make you? All I'm saying is that it was not your choice, but by the choice of your parents. When we look at the text, it seems that the son believes there is something he can do. There is something about a choice he made that made him his father's son. There is something that he can do to be welcomed back into his father's household. If we reread verse 17, he says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving. So he set out. He went back to his father and said, I've sinned. I'm sorry, Dad. He, he decided, you know what? I'm going to plead my case. I, I know I can, I can be welcomed in. I know there's something I can do because I'm the one who took what I had, was given and I squandered it. You know, whenever I heard this parable, I always thought about the kid going to Las Vegas, but it says a distant country. So since we are here in Boulder City, it's not that far off. So maybe like uh, Amsterdam or something, you know, in a, in a foreign country, but he was enjoying himself. He, he thought that he was his own man. He thought that he earned his reward. He thought that he earned that inheritance. He thought it was all about him. He believed that it was his birthright because of something he had done. And then since he had lost it, he believed that he had lost that birthright. He believed that he was no longer a son. He thought that his father would disown him he didn't think he could be a son ever again. But if you remember what we just went over, was it his choice in the first place to be his father's son? No. It was the father's choice. So the father is the only one who gets to choose who is his son and who is not his son. There is nothing you can do to earn your birthright. There is nothing you can do to become your father's son. I don't know about you, but birth is a gift. I'm not a father yet. Hopefully one day the Lord grants me that privilege, but I would like to believe that my dad sees me as a gift and that uh, he sees my brother as a gift. I know that we're pretty bad kids sometimes and you know, and we, we cause a ruckus, but at the end of the day, I wanna be a gift to, um, to my parents and just the initial birth is a miracle. When you see a child being born, there's something about it. I can't do anything to earn my last name. I, I, I was born a Corzine. There is nothing I can do to make myself a Corzine. I can't go to my dad when I get my degree and I say, Dad, I think I've finally earned the right to be a Corzine. I think I've, uh, I've gone to Bible school. I've preached in front of three churches. Uh, I'm $20,000 in debt, so now, Lord, I've earned the right to be your son. I know what it feels like to be an American or something, you know. My dad would probably say something along the line of, shut up, and just, you know, give me a hug. He'd love me. We think that we are a son by worth, but in all actuality, we are a son by birth. We see in verse 19, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Why? What did he do to no longer be worthy? Nothing. 
Yeah, he, 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 squalled, he squalled his inheritance and he wasted it, but he is still a son. The father gave him that gift. And the father speaks to him and wants him to know that he needs to accept that gift and enjoy that gift, but there is nothing you can do to earn that gift. You are born into the family just like you are born into the family of God. We see that analogy. We see that metaphor used so many times with Jesus talking about how we need to be born again because God wanted us to understand that there's nothing we did to earn God's love. There's nothing we did to be entered into the family of God. It's all him. As we continue in the parable, verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead, but is alive again. He was lost, but is found. So they celebrated. I think you guys can all know that the father in this story is a perfect analogy of our heavenly father. Our father loves us. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this Bible verse it's called John 3.16. If you don't have it memorized, it's okay. I'm going to school for this. You know, they, they give me classes on how to memorize scripture. And for whatever reason, this John 3.16 is important, so... In the beginning, it goes, for God so loved. We'll just, we'll stop right there. Do you, do you know what this, this so love is? It's, it, it's, not, it's not so love, sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's so love, S-O. So love is stupid. It makes you do dumb things. You, it makes you love people you're not supposed to love. It makes you do things that are irrational. The father so loved his child my dad is a perfect example of so love. He loves me and Chandler when we do stupid stuff. My dad, he came to all of my football games. I, I played for one year. There's a picture of me down in the basement. We hide it because uh, it's embarrassing. But one time we're at a game and I'm playing. Actually, not really. I'm not playing. I'm sitting on the bench. I got, I got one play in the fourth quarter. And I, and I read the reverse the right way, and I'm running, and I'm running, and all of a sudden, the running back's right in front of me, and I just, I didn't tackle him. And he just went, whoop, and ran past me, scored a touchdown. My dad is just yelling, it's okay, son, it's going to be all right. My coaches didn't feel the same way. My coaches <laughs> took me out right after that play. We were down 36 to 0, but they still didn't approve of my playing, so they took me out. I remember my grandma and my uh, grandpa came to that game, too, and um, unfortunately, that was pretty much the only play I played that whole entire game. We were down 36 points, and it's the fourth quarter. It's the last game of the season, but oh well. Not to mention, we had lost every game before that, too, so <laughs> we weren't really the greatest football team. 
after the game, though, my dad, he, um, he gave a piece of his mind to the coach. And, I, and I, reminded the, I reminded my dad, I said, Dad, he's a youth pastor in our county. He said, I don't care. I'll pray for him later. I love him. I'm speaking this out of love. But I love you more. So I'm, I'm going to let him know how I feel. The rumors that circulated around the county the next Monday I get to school, I have kids coming up to me, did your dad cuss out the football coach? And I'm like, no, I've never heard my dad say a cuss word in my whole entire life. And they're like, we heard he like punched him or something. And I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was no physical contact. There was no negativity. He just let the coach know that I had gone to every practice. I had gone to every game. I had tried my hardest, and I got no reward for it. But that's so love. So love makes you do dumb stuff. So love is kind of the love that Jesus has and that God has for us. And it's really cool that there's nothing you can do to earn that so love. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Because God does not love you. God is love. So God cannot do anything besides himself. God is himself. And in that, that means he is always loving because he can't stop loving because he is love. I mean, you could like try to sit him down, talk to him and say, hey God, you know, I've been sinning a lot. You should probably stop loving me. I know that you have all this grace and this love for me, but um, it's kind of a waste. God doesn't care. He's gonna keep loving you because he is love. The father in this parable doesn't even acknowledge the son's, like, uh, prepared message. You know, the son's sitting there in the field, and he's eating the slops, the pig, and he just hates himself. He said, you know what? I'm going to prepare this great message. I'm going to just, I'm going to tell my dad how sorry I am. And maybe if I do that, then, then my dad will take me as a servant. The, the father doesn't even care. The son speaks, and then he doesn't say, oh, thanks, son. He just yells to his servants, quick, get everything. That's how God deals with us. We come to God and, and we keep saying how sorry we are. And God just wants to fill us with his love and embrace us and give us his grace. The father doesn't hesitate in loving. He gets everything. He gets the fattened calf. And I'm talking about like some, some nice steaks, like some good old American red meat. Something like you just want to eat, especially like on Father's Day or maybe on the 4th of July, you know. Hopefully, we're getting the fattened calf later. They have a feast and they celebrate. And it's because the Father loves the Son even when he sins. Just like our Heavenly Father still loves us when we sin. Even when you promise, dear Lord, I know I messed up. If you, if, you, if you just forgive me, I promise I'll never do it again. Don't make those kind of promises with God, first of all, because you're going to sin again. <laughs> Unless your name's Jesus, you got a problem. So we all are sinning. But even when you do make those promises and, and you go back on your word, God doesn't go back on his word. God keeps loving you. God is always loving you. There's nothing you can do to stop getting God's love. If you see the end of Romans 8, it just gives lists and a lists of analogies of how God's love is always there for you. So if we go back to that verse we started in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That's all of us. We get to be the world. We're, 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 we're in that. He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ.
that no man shall perish but have eternal life. God loves us so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Like Jesus, he came for us. Jesus came to die for us. He took all of our sin, all of our pain, all of the wrath that God had for us, and he took it upon himself because that's how much he loves us. The sin that we commit, us going and, and just wasting our inheritance, us coming back to the Father, everything God knew. And so he, he sent his son so that Jesus could be our savior. There's, there's no other way to God. There's no other way that we can experience that love except through Jesus Christ. Now, if I can get John on the, on the piano. It makes me sound kind of extra spiritual, you know, when I, when I have someone in the background playing piano, so. It's also kind of the, the notice that like, oh, okay, I think he's ending, so. I'm sorry that I kept it a little short. You know, I'm not, I'm not used to, to, to preaching in front of so many people, especially on a Sunday morning. I'm used to being in a classroom with a, a sheet where he grades me. But I just want to end by letting you know there's nothing you can do. Just as the son got so focused on what he had did and the sins that he committed and the things that he could do to maybe earn his father's love again, there's, there's nothing we can do. And we think that sometimes. We get, we get caught up in our sin. We get caught up in the actions of what can we do for God. We get so focused on, on us going to him and what, what we can do to earn that birthright, to earn that love, to earn that relationship. But there's nothing we can do. The only reason that we get to experience Christ and get to experience the love of God is because Christ first loved us. He died for us while we were still sinners. He knew that sometimes people might not accept him, people might not love him, but he still died for them anyways. We need to lean into that love. We need to embrace his grace. If we realize that every day is Father's Day, when we're living in the kingdom, we get a party, just like we see at the end of the parable. The older brother was in the fields working and he heard them dancing. I don't, I don't know about you, but that means they had to be having a good time. They had to be partying for the older son to know that they were enjoying themselves. When we, when we lean into that love, when we lean into that grace, when, when we lean into what God has done for us, we get to be a part of his kingdom. We get to be his sons and his daughters. And, and we just, we get to know that he loves us. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter how much we, we love God. It matters how much he loves us. We, we get to be able to love him in return because of how he loves us. So, if you get one thing God sent me, you know, here from beautiful Southern California where it's like 80 degrees and 
I'm not sweating while I'm sleeping. But it's just that he loves you. I don't think you can be reminded that enough. I know that I might be a little nicer than my dad sometimes, and it's because I'm young. But <laughs> my dad loves me. I love him. And it's all because God loves us. So I just want to end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. We wouldn't be able to be here without you. We wouldn't be able to experience what you have for us without you. And some of you out there might not know what I'm talking about. You might not feel God's love. You might not understand why we're so crazy about this. It might not make sense. And that's okay. It's, it's, it is a place that everyone in this room has been. And if you like to give Jesus your sin, you want to you follow him, you want to experience that love, you want to you be able to, to get that ring and that fattened calf and celebrate with Jesus, then I encourage you to give your life to him, to let him, let him be in your heart and to let him start transforming you. you'd like to make that decision my father myself are here we would love to go through it with you but please know that it's a process and everything might not get perfect right away but that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you so Lord Jesus thank you everyone would repeat after me Jesus here is my life I love you because you first loved me I will never be the same thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross we love you Lord we appreciate you and we know that you love us. Amen. Well, now we're going to, you know, get back to the festivities of, uh, of Father's Day. Uh, I know we got that, that gift card and that dad's root beer, so pass it off to Pastor Blaine.